In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, happy feast day. You all look very good in your red uh, smocks and get-ups. Thank you for, for wearing red for, um, for this feast, and I'm glad that we get a chance not just to keep it, but I'm doubly glad that we get to keep it together, uh, that we are coming back together. And I want to, just as the homily, take a, a second to think about what we are about today. What, what are we doing? What is this day about? And the reading that we had from Acts fixes the date for us, when the day of Pentecost had come. So that's the feast that we are keeping. Pentecost or Pentecost Day means 50th day. Just the Greek word means 50 days, but it meant uh, the, it was the name of the festival of weeks that the Jews would keep 50 days every year, 50 days after Passover. And then Christians came to keep it by celebrating the, the fact that the Holy Spirit fell with fire on the apostles. You may have noticed today that we, uh, we did an experiment and did not light the candles at the beginning of the service just to see what would happen, like if the fire might come. Um, but we, uh, we kept it to keep us uh, to, as a remembrance of the gift of the Spirit, and it came to be kept by another name, the name Whitsunday, Whitsunday, White Sunday, the greatest feast in our religion after the Paschal Feast of Easter. Today, that when you would baptize, that's where the name comes from, that um, you would baptize, and when people would come up out of the water, they would put a white robe on them, Whitsunday. Pentecost is actually right up there on the Mount Rushmore of Christian feasts. In fact, the old canons of the church said that if you were to be a communicant in good standing, a communicant in good standing, you had to make your communion at least three times a year, on Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. This is a big feast and reflecting on it this week, on the gift of the Spirit, what some people call the birthday of the church, I was drawn uh, to mention three things. And I can tell you at the outset, this is not, today is not a deep theological sermon. I think this year, this, uh, this late in the program year, I am too tired for, te- for deep theological, I'm too tired to write them, you are too tired to listen to them. But I want to suggest three things for our parish that these texts show us and that we do well to remember. And all three things are actually about God. Number one, God gathers. Number two, God gives. And number three, God sends. Gathers, gives, and sends. First, God gathers. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Ackerman, Mississippi. And we went to a little church in the little little town. It was called Enon Cumberland Presbyterian Church. My mother played the piano. My father was uh, was an elder. And so in my family, church attendance was certain as death and taxes. If the lights were on, we were there. So twice on Sunday, we'd come in the morning, we'd come back at night, come in the middle of the week, and as a kid, oh, how I dreamed of being a oncer. Like, so oncer was a kid who only had to come once a month. 
And so the other nights, the other Sunday nights, you could stay home and watch the wonderful world of Disney. If you were under 50, look that up. That was a thing that we used to watch, but I never got to watch it on TV because I was at church. Today, though, I think we're actually well on our way to becoming a, a church almost entirely of oncers. As far back as 2005, there was a Gallup poll that said Americans do indeed still go to church in large numbers. They just don't go a lot. Regular attenders, people who regularly attend church, even in that poll, are at church about three of every eight Sundays. It's about one and a half times a month. That's what regular church attendance is. And the pandemic has likely even accelerated that trend. So today, for us, I want to do something that I try not to do very much, which is to make a personal appeal. And the appeal is that we need to be together. I need to be here. You need to be here. Once or twice a month is not going to cut it. So there's a, a priest named Timothy Radcliffe. He is a Dominican friar and lives in Oxford, England. And he, I read a book years ago that he wrote called Why Go to Church. I guess I was having like a crisis of confidence or something. So I said, why go to church? Read the book. And um, he talks about the Eucharist, what we are doing today. And he says that the Eucharist is a drama. In fact, it is the drama. It is the fundamental drama of human existence. And coming to it physically, bodily, is it forms us as a people, sure as metal on an anvil that is hammered out, forges us into a shape. Coming to this Eucharist forges us as a people, people who believe, people who love, people who hope. And in his book, he says, this is why I go to church. Because this small community, just look around, this small community, however inadequate, is how I belong. It's how in Christ I belong to the whole of Christ's body, the community of the living and the dead, of saints and sinners throughout space and time, indeed, to the whole of all humanity. If we are not together, it is so much harder to belong. And that's why we try to create as many services as possible, as many ways to be together as we can. So we have two services on a Sunday. We, have, we pray throughout the week. Um, we have uh, daily Eucharist is at 12.15 every weekday here in the chancel because we need these opportunities, opportunities to hear our stories, to receive the bread that comes down from heaven, and to look each other in the eye and say, I belong to you and you belong to me. We need to be together. So as more and more of us come back to in-person worship in the weeks to come, God is remembering our church, putting us back together. Because that's what God does. God gathers. God gathers. Um, I'll do this again. So I went off script this morning at the 8 o'clock, uh, which is usually not a good thing, but now I've had a chance to write down what I was going to say. Because it just occurred to me as we were, as we were reading that in the, the 
lesson from Acts, all of these names, the Parthians, the Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, do you know what? If you, if you lived in this place, it was just like an ellipse of where they lived. It just meant basically everywhere. And he says Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. God draws and gathers across boundaries, across racial boundaries, across gender boundaries. God gathers us together. In fact, Father Charlie this morning told me that uh, it's race day, which is like every Sunday is race day, isn't it? Um, But Father Charlie prefers uh, his favorite races today, which is a Grand Prix, I think in Monaco. And his favorite race team, Ferrari, is sitting on the pole, he told me, which I think is a good thing. Um, And it just occurs to me that in the kingdom of God, no one sits on the pole. No one has right of first position. It's in the collect that we prayed today. God, on this day, you open the way of eternal life to every race and nation. God gathers. Then number two, once God gathers, God gives. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. that, That was the ascension. For if I don't go away, then the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Pentecost, this day, celebrates that gift. Jesus keeping that promise. God sending the Holy Spirit. So the apostles are locked away again, and the Holy Spirit falls on them with tongues of fire, the sound like a rushing mighty wind that fills the room, and that was the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit who comes to uh, prove the world wrong, or or I think a better translation is convict or convince the world about sin and righteousness. The Spirit who comes to guide the church into truth. Jesus said, there's a lot more I need to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. You can't handle the truth. So He sends the Spirit to guide us into all truth. And most of all, the Spirit always points our hearts, sure as a compass needle points to magnetic north, points our hearts to Jesus. And the Spirit also gives us gifts individually that empower us to build up the church and to do the work of ministry in the world. You know that there are, gifts, there are these gift lists throughout the New Testament and uh, Romans and 1 Corinthians, Ephesians. And they list the gifts of the Spirit, everything from discernment and evangelism and generosity to healing, administration to even hospitality. So what has God gifted you to do? All these gifts are given to the body for our common life and um, for the building up of the church. And unless each gift is exercised and the body is off, the body is... Uh, out of balance. It's like we're spiritually uncoordinated, just kind of lurching here and there and not moving with grace and ease. So this summer, or in the months to come, one of our formation offerings will be around discernment of our gifts. What is God gifting us to do? Because God has given us the Spirit and will gift us each in unique 
in important ways. And it leads to the last point. God gathers, God gives, and then finally God sends. Jesus said to his disciples, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf, you also are to testify. So worship, serve, witness. Worship, serve, witness. Those are the three sails on the bark of St. Bartholomew. I think God is forming us as a community that will worship well, that will serve the least, the lost, the lonely, the left behind, and then also will bear witness in the world to the truth and the power of the gospel of God. But it's that last bit (laughs) that makes us nervous. It's the witness part. I don't know if we had like some bad experience of being, it was my, for me it was my mom that would witness to waiters and taxi cab drivers. We never had gotten a taxi in Akron, Mississippi, but if we had taxis, she would have witnessed to them. Or maybe we were forced to knock on doors and, you know, talk about Jesus to total strangers. Actually, I talked about uh, evangelism in a rector's forum recently, and all those talks, if you didn't get to see them, they're all on our website. So I, I don't want to cover it all again, but what I want to say is that when God has gathered us, remembered us, put us back together, when God has given us the Holy Spirit and empowered us, God does not intend for us just to stay in here. God sends us like the apostles. Apostolos just means one who is sent. To be apostolic, the church is just sent. And if that's daunting, then don't worry. I'm not asking you to be a televangelist. I'm only asking that you be willing, as we used to tell our kids when they were little, that you be willing to use your words. Just be willing to speak. My friend Andy Mead uh, is, was the rector, he's retired now, rector, uh, rector of the Church of St. Thomas Fifth Avenue in New York, and uh, he published a collection of sermons a few years ago, and in the sermon for the Feast of Pentecost, I read it earlier this week, he told the story of another priest that had served at the Church of the Advent in Boston where both Father Mead and I had served. Uh, It was a guy named Whitney Hale, and Father Hale, uh, by all accounts, was beloved. In fact, they called him not Father Hale, they called him Pop Hale. So, um, but here's the curious thing. Father Hale could not sing the Mass well at all. Uh, Father Mead says that Father Hale could not preach his way out of a paper bag, and yet he drew people from all over the city of Boston to the Church of Advent, Church of the Advent. Now, how did that happen? Well, Father Mead says he found a clue when he heard someone speak about Father Hale. And that person said that you always felt in the sweetest, most loving way that Father Hale was after you. He was, in other words, always constantly aware that he was on mission, running an errand with the Holy Spirit for Jesus. And this is how Father Mead's sermon ends. Each of us 
when we come to believe and follow Jesus, is on call for witness. To be a witness means to understand that we only have so much time. No time to waste, but time to redeem. And that we are on mission duty, called to run errands with the Holy Spirit for Jesus. It doesn't mean you'll gather great crowds. It doesn't mean you'll have flames in your hair, red. It doesn't mean that you'll speak another language or baptize 3,000 in a day, although that would be exciting. It doesn't mean you have to be ordained. It doesn't mean you need a soapbox or a title. You simply must know who you are. And if you belong to Christ, that settles it for the witness. There are no lines to rehearse, no scenes to practice. You have only to be willing to speak up, to give a reason for the hope that's in you. God, the Holy Spirit, will give you the right words for the moment. You can do it. It's how God grows His church. And then I love this line, Pentecost is still unfolding. God may only have made one pop hail, but God, the same God, made, gathered, and gifted you, and now you're sent. Pentecost is still unfolding, so come Holy Spirit. Amen.